All right, Alexander, let's talk about the Russian economy. And um, uh, Novak was actually giving some of the results of the, uh, of the energy and gas, uh, uh, the results of energy and gas uh, exports and, and revenues for 2022. And sanctions are obviously not working if you just look at 2022. But there are a lot of... Uh, of articles now coming out once again, which are claiming that in 2023, the Russian economy will collapse. And there are indicators which show that, uh, that the Russian economy is about to collapse. Uh, articles stating that China, India are pressing Russia to sell their oil and gas at discounts, which hurt the, the Russian economy. Uh, the price caps, according to these articles, are now going to start to, to really bite and that uh, Russia is going to struggle to, to keep afloat. The Russian economy is going to struggle to, to, keep, uh, to keep moving. What, uh, what do you think of, well, uh, of the narrative, once again, that the Russian economy is set to, set to buckle in 2023? Well, I think straightforwardly it's wrong. And I, uh, one of the fundamental problems with these articles is that a lot of the data that they're publishing, which, by the way, in one particular case I assumed was true, has turned out to be wrong. Now, let, let me start, you know, focus on one US media outlet, which is Bloomberg, which, you know, is an outlet which is famous for the accuracy of its economic data, the, the economic data it provides. There was an article a few weeks ago, which I took completely seriously. I assumed it was absolutely the case that um, Russian oil exports in December had crashed by 54%. And, you know, I assumed it was true. It turned out it was completely not true. And um, we've actually now had data from the Russians, and it turns out that their oil receipts, their receipts from oil sales in December actually increased <laughs> over November and were higher than they had been in December of the previous year. So, in fact, Russia made more oil, more money from sales of its oil in December than it had previously. And that is inconsistent with the claim that, you know, oil exports from Russia had collapsed by 54%. And in fact, we know from all kinds of other data that that article was wrong. Then we had another article from Bloomberg about week ago, I think it was, that the only reason why Russian industrial production is appears to be rising is because military production for the military is rising, and this is supporting the entire economy, and this uh, supposedly is um, um, unsustainable, <laughs> except you read the article carefully, and you, it's all a lot of guesses. It makes a whole, a whole set of assumptions, which when you actually work on them, I mean, they turn out to be basically flawed, and in most cases, obviously wrong. And then we had yet another article from Bloomberg, which I think said that um, Russian, uh, that, that Ural's crude, I think it was Ural's crude, anyway, Russian oil was trading far below the oil price caps at levels in their mid-$30 mid a barrel. And it turned out, and, you know, um, um, I think it was Eve Smith contacted me, the person who writes at Naked Capitalism, and she provided me with all the tables from the various um, 
um, markets and it turned out that uh, this article was completely wrong and that in fact euros crude was trading in many markets at, you know in the in the high 50s so i mean it's so we're getting lots of articles like this and their overall purpose i think is to develop a narrative that exactly as you said these um, sanctions are now having some kind of effect russian revenues are going to start falling the Russian economy is going to stutter and collapse, that the Chinese and the Indians are now maneuvering to take advantage of the Russians, to basically pillage the Russians of their oil and gas to their own advantage, and that the Russians are going to struggle throughout 2023. Well, there is absolutely no evidence of this. Um, we see evidence on the contrary that industrial production, manufacturing production in Russia is rising. PMI figures, you know, marketing managers' um, um, forecasts in Russia are becoming increasingly optimistic. We're seeing um, signs that services and consumer spending is growing. We're seeing signs that tax revenues are holding up. And I don't just mean, you know, oil and gas receipts, because these are taxes. What, what the Russian government gets from the oil and gas industry, it, it's important to remember, they are tax revenues. Oil and gas companies have paid taxes to the Russian exchequer, but also non-oil and gas tax, uh, revenues and taxes on the non-oil and gas sector are also rising. And as I said, it, 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 there's evidence that, in fact, not only are oil exports and oil and exports especially strong, but that they're not seriously affected by the caps. All prices have fallen, generally, for all kinds of reasons. But and in so far as there's been a fall in oil prices for Russian oil, it seems to be connected with the general fall in oil prices. In other words, it has nothing to do with the caps. All the indications are, all the predictions are from energy economists that oil prices are going to start rising again um, later this year, at which point oil prices, prices for Russian oil are also going to grow in tandem. And that also is going to be unconnected with the price caps. And in the meantime, Russian revenues, regardless of the fluctuations in the price of oil, remain stable because, as I said, increasingly the other parts of the economy are able to compensate for any fluctuations in oil and gas prices and because the Russian government is fully able to cover its costs both from its savings, its accumulated savings, and by floating bonds at perfectly reasonable rates of interest on Russian financial markets. So there's no sign of any crisis, any problem in the Russian economy. I think they've given up on the narrative that Russia was going to run out of microchips and that they're having to yank them out of washing machines. I haven't seen them. I haven't seen that for a while now. So, uh, you know, I, I think that this idea that, you know, we are looking at some kind of a collapse, it, it isn't going to happen. And if you look at what Russian officials from Putin down are saying, they seem to be very confident.
Is the reason for this, uh, for this misinformation about the Russian economy, does it have to do more with, uh, with political um, cover rather than economic uh, fact? In other words, the EU, let's just say the EU in this instance, they want this narrative out there because it provides them cover for the terrible decisions that they have made with the nine now going on 10 sanctions packages. And perhaps it also gives them the, uh, the ability, the justification to try and search for more sanctions against Russia because no one's going, people are going to say, that, well, they're going to make the argument that you see, just give it some time. Our sanctions are working. You just have to give it some time. So let's go for a 10th or an 11th sanction package instead of having the opposite uh, outcome, which is, you know, EU member states saying, your sanctions are not working. Russia's economy is doing perfectly fine. We need to stop. Yeah. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And by the way, I ought to say that this narrative about the sanctions working does, isn't a new one. It goes all the way back to 2014 when the sanctions were first imposed. Every so often, I remember, even as the Russian economy recovered, grew, strong, got stronger, diversified, created its own financial system, sorted out its interbank messaging system, was doing all of those things. You get the mantra in the West after 2014 that the sanctions that had been imposed Posed in 2014 were working. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, part of those sanctions, by the way, had deliberately attacked the energy industry and they'd been intended to reduce Russian oil production by restricting exports of technological and industrial goods to the Russian oil industry. Russian oil Russian oil production didn't fall, it actually increased. <laughs> so, you know, it, but Nonetheless, we still had to be told that the sanctions were working because admitting that the sanctions are not working, it would be a political catastrophe. It would mean admitting to all those hundreds of thousands of businesses that in the West have lost money as a result of the sanctions. Well, actually, you know, what we did was a catastrophic mistake. It didn't work out. It, 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 it might, you know, it was it, so, you know, your businesses might have been destroyed. Your markets might have been lost, but it didn't really work out. And we're very sorry and all that. <laughs> I mean, that would be a terrible thing to, to admit to. But also, you're absolutely correct. If they start admitting that the sanctions have failed, then, of course, all of those countries in the EU elsewhere, which have been quietly critical of the sanctions and some which have not been so quietly critical of the sanctions, like Hungary, will say they've been vindicated. <laughs> they would say, why are, why are you wanting to keep the sanctions up in that case if you're admitting that the sanctions aren't working? Surely what we ought to be doing is going back and lifting the sanctions. And maybe we shouldn't just lift the sanctions. Maybe we should go back even further still. Maybe we should start talking to the Russians about getting gas exports started up again because we're going to need them in the long term. Uh, the government of Qatar has said that again, that the Europeans eventually are going to have to turn back to Russia for gas because there is no alternative to it. And that's just been said by Qatar. So... 
they don't want that narrative to come up because that will, in that case, create major ructions within the collective West, within the EU. It could create a crisis of confidence there. And of course, there is the other overriding problem, which is that the biggest tool that the West has had in the last 30, 40 years in terms of coercive diplomacy is sanctions. Um, if you admit that sanctions failed completely against the Russians, then you are exposing the fact that this, your supposedly most powerful commercial uh, coercive tool, doesn't work in the way that you pretended to the world that it does, and that suddenly makes you look a lot less powerful and a lot more, a lot less menacing, and perhaps people won't be as intimidated by you as they were. So instead, you have to continue this narrative. You know, just wait a little longer. The sanctions will work sooner or later. Russia will implode, the economy will implode, or if it doesn't implode, it will decay, it will be unable to develop 5G systems for its mobile phones, it will fall behind in its technologies, it will become an appanage of China, it will be stripped bare by India. By the way, on that topic, India is now proposing a big commercial treaty with Russia, exchanging Indian electronics for Russian goods and moving to a ruble-rupee trade, all that kind of thing. But anyway, you don't want to talk about any of that. So, uh, uh, you know, you, you pretend it isn't happening. Just wait a little longer and it will all come right. And that's the story that is being peddled to the Western media. And the fact that there is clear evidence now that they're manipulating the data to make it seem real uh, shows how um, both how desperate and difficult it's becoming to sustain that narrative, but also the extent to which they remain committed to it. All right, uh, let's um, let's uh, end this video by talking about the economies of the EU. Say France, say Germany. Any news there? Well, I, I'm going to say this, and I don't know to what extent this is true. There's a lot of... Uh, there's UK, maybe UK. Not, not only yeah. the EU, maybe yeah. the UK as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about the UK, and I'll start with the UK because this is where I live. I've been talking in many programs about how bad the economic situation is in Britain. I don't take any, any of that back. Moreover, I see no sign in Britain of recovery, and yet we've had economic statistics coming out now, which say that um, Brit the British economy actually grew in November and is going to avoid a recession in 2022. And they're hearing the same story about the EU. I get to say this. My own experience tells me the complete contrary. You also see all kinds of data pouring out, not just from Britain, but from the EU as well, that there has been a shocking decline in living standards. Now, how is it possible for living standards to decline to that extent and for a recession to be avoided? I'm going to make a guess. <laughs> it's purely a guess now. I may be wrong. I'm going to get a lot of people coming back and telling me, well, you know, you're getting this completely wrong. You don't understand what you're saying. What is actually happening is that there's some degree of mis, should I say, miscounting of the inflation data. And that 
what is actually inflation is now being reported as economic growth. It's actually an easy mistake to make. If you understate inflation, you make your economy look bigger than it actually is. And I do wonder whether over the last few weeks, economic statisticians in Brussels and uh, elsewhere and in London have been saying to themselves, well, we can't admit to a recession in 2022. So we're going to count the numbers in a certain way. And they're going to be continuing to do that. Now, we've had warm weather in Europe, warm weather in Britain that has helped with gas uh, prices and oil prices. Um, we've also, I suspect, seen significant falls in energy use because of the high prices, but that almost certainly put points to falls in industrial pr production. The fact that energy prices have fallen to the extent that they have, I think also points to recessionary conditions. Uh, that's a real indicator that points to recessionary conditions. We have information that China is now opening up. Um, lots of comments that could be made about that. But 10% growth in China in the second quarter, if that happens, that's what's being predicted. If that happens, very difficult to see how energy prices are not going to start rising again, regardless of the fact that... Um, there appears to be recessionary pressures growing in the West. I'm going to just add a few things about this. If oil prices are really falling, why is the United States continuing to run down its oil reserves? <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, why, why is that still happening? Why aren't they buying oil if oil prices are, uh, um, you know, so low now? And uh, beyond, beyond that, um, if the situation in 2022 was, you know, that we avoided recession, why have we seen these very steep falls in stock market valuations? I mean, I've, I understand all kinds of companies, Tesla, for example, have seen a major markdown in their stock prices, which again, doesn't seem to me consistent with some of the claims about the state of the Western economies that we're seeing. I agree. All right. We will end it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are also on Rockfin as well. And go to the Duran shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.